Welcome to the Health Leaders Finance Podcast. I'm Jack O'Brien, Finance Editor for Health Leaders. My guest today is Richard Powell, MD, Section Chief of Vascular Surgery at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Dr. Powell, thank you for joining me today. Thanks, Jack. Uh, Thanks for having me on the podcast. Even before the COVID-19 pandemic began last year, hospital and health system executives were looking for new service lines to generate reliable revenues. According to a recent report released by the Society for Vascular Surgery, vascular surgeons could provide both necessary care for patients as well as a significant boost to a provider organization's bottom line. With all that in mind, I wanted to start our conversation there. Dr. Powell, you are unusual as a guest on the podcast because usually I'm talking to finance executives and administrators and not necessarily those on the clinical side. Can you walk me through this recent report on the vascular surgery line and kind of detail its importance for our audience of hospital CFOs and and finance leaders? Sure, Jack. I would be uh, happy to. Relatively small specialty. And, uh, and it's not some um, physicians and uh, healthcare administrators may not be completely familiar with the uh, breadth and scope of vascular surgery practice. And there are many attributes of vascular surgery that have a positive impact on the financial well-being of a healthcare system, yet are not uh, initially very obvious to uh, hospital administrators or CFOs because of uh, the, uh, you know, this document, it defines the scope of vascular surgery and to put it in a nutshell, you know, vascular surgeons operate on blood vessels outside of the heart. So we take care of arteries in the carotid artery that get blocked in your neck and can cause strokes, take care of patients who have weakened arteries that can form aneurysms. And, uh, you know, so all of this, uh, in order to do this, we do need some infrastructure needs. And probably the big ticket item in order to be serviced is a hybrid operating room, which has advanced imaging as well as can do open operative procedures. And these will typically run between about $1.5 and $2.5 million. And also there'll be personnel needs such as advanced practice providers, and um, in you know other sort of infrastructure needs, but the return on investment is quite substantial, and typically um, this can be you know covered within uh, two years' time, uh, based on uh, just a single vascular generate. I appreciate you talking about the investment aspect. I know obviously a lot of the leaders who listen to the podcast are always focused on how much it's going to cost and what that ROI is. Um, I guess if you can just kind of illuminate more, maybe some of the findings from the report as it relates to kind of the financial implications for the surgery line, you know, and even I, I kind of wanted to go back to how uh, you and others came about studying this from obviously you have the clinical interest, but also from the financial impact. Sure. The, you know, the way that I sort of developed an interest in this is, um, you know, vascular surgery is very technology driven. Many of our procedures uh, don't uh, necessarily reimburse that well because our payer mix is uh, predominantly government payers. You know, about 70% of our patients are Medicare patients. Yet the technology is, for instance, the stent grafts that we use, you know, they're 
um, devices that we use are quite expensive. So we were really uh, focused on trying to drive down costs for our procedures in order but maintain uh, quality. So really, we were interested in the value proposition. And as we did this, we you know, were able to uh, carefully define what the average contribution margin were, was. But the sort of the nuanced and interesting finding that we came across, and it, it's sort of the, um, the, the things that vascular surgeons do that fly under the radar, which really drives revenue and, and you know, may not be that apparent. And it really falls into three buckets. There's you know, patient safety, there's the uh, uh, ability for vascular surgery to enable other service lines. And then there's this idea that va vascular patients are, are very sick. They have a high case mix index, which is gonna have a very positive impact on driving revenue for uh, Medicare patients. And I'd be happy to touch on each one of those briefly if interested. Yeah, I think our audience would benefit from that. So if you wouldn't mind going through those, that'd be great. Sure. So the you know the the probably the the one that will be most interesting for hospital administration is this ability for vascular surgery to enable other service lines. So for instance, it, you know if you have a let's say that you're a hospital administrator and you want to develop a robust cardiology service with cardiac catheterizations, well you'll need a vascular surgeon on your staff in order to uh, be able to take care of any uh, vascular complications that can incur. Um, during our normal cardiology procedures, such as an injury to the, the groin artery. In addition, uh, for instance, another uh, revenue generating procedure is spine surgery. And yet, I think many uh, hospital administrators and physicians don't realize that for many spine procedures, vascular surgeons are needed in order to be able to expose the spine safely in order to um, for the spine procedure for the discectomy to be performed. You know, these usually carry about a $12,000 contribution margin per spine procedure. The patients are, you know, a lot of privately insured patients. And um, yet, with, if you don't have a vascular surgeon, you're not able to, to provide this service uh, safely. And, you know, this is true also, for instance, for like cancer surgeons. If you have, if you're a cancer surgeon and you have a tumor that is closely adherent to a blood vessel, you and you don't have a vascular surgeon on staff, you're not going to try to remove that because it's too risky if you were to get into bleeding. You know, in the um, so vascular, the presence of vascular surgery really enables your orthopedic surgeons, your cardiologists, your spine surgeons, your cancer surgeons to all really provide a, a much larger scope of practice um, because if you don't have a vascular surgeon in you know on site you really shouldn't be performing these procedures because of potential vascular complications and, and that's why right now the, one of the uh, one of the uh, strategic consultants that we work with say they uh, told me that about a third of all hospitals in the United States are actually trying to recruit a vascular surgeon in, in sort of just to put a, a point on it, you know, the next step is that for um, vascular surgeons are typically considered, they're called the firemen of the operating room. 
because if another surgeon gets into bleeding, like the orthopedic surgeon, you know, develops, causes an arterial injury while replacing a joint, or a cancer surgeon inadvertently cuts an artery, um, you know, these are huge problems that, you know, if you don't have a vascular surgeon on site to repair it, you know, you can have some pretty significant litigious problems, you know, it's, like one wrongful death lawsuit will be a, a, you know, financially speaking, is pretty impactful compared to having a hiring a vascular surgeon. And then the the last component is this concept of case mix index. In that, the um, and again, this is something that sort of flies under the radar. But the average case mix index for a vascular surgery. Uh, section or population of patients that we admit to the hospital ranges from about 2.8 to 3.2. The average hospital case mix index is around 2.2. And so if, the, if you take like, for instance, a organization that um, has a net revenue of like $1.5 billion a year, each increase in case mix index of 0 0.01. So if it goes from like 2.2 one nine to two point two zero that's an increase of about three million dollars a year from uh, medicare reimbursement for all of the patients in the hospital so th so these are the things that may not be you know in inherently obvious to hospital administration impact on uh, the financial health of the healthcare system we'll be right back after this short break Hi, this is Melanie Blackman, Strategy Editor at Health Leaders. I'm here to tell you to check out the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast, which drops every first Wednesday of the month. On my show, I sit down with women executives who share insights on important healthcare topics, their leadership experience, and how others can climb up the organizational ladder. Subscribe and listen to the Health Leaders Women in Healthcare Leadership podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. It's very interesting, especially you talking about them as being the, the, the firemen. It almost sounds like they're kind of the linchpin of, of these organizations, and it doesn't get they, talked they about so much. They frequently are. I, yeah. I, I guess I kind of wanted to, to probe that a little deeper. I, I was reading the report, and it said, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the financial impact of having vascular surgeons is significant and can produce $1.6 million per full-time employee. I, and you talked about the recruiting effort that's underway. Can you kind of advise some of the administrators that may be listening on this podcast how they should go about this recruiting effort? And if there's a difference in terms of, say, I'm a large uh, regional medical center versus I'm an independent community hospital, is there a different approach to, to navigating that? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, it's, you know, it's certainly tricky because, you know, if you're trying to recruit a vascular surgeon and you know that about a third of the hospitals in the United States are currently trying to do the same thing, then you obviously have to have some differentiating factors that will attract the vascular surgeon. And, you know, so the infrastructure need is important. And also uh, providing access um, for the vascular surgeon to think things like catheterization, laboratories. Um, ca uh, vascular surgeons frequently will run the uh, non-invasive vascular lab, which is a substantial revenue generating um, uh, enterprise in and of itself. But the, you know, one of the significant problems is that the vascular surgeon faces is if they're 
in their office seeing patients or they have an elective OR schedule and they're called to the operating room for an emergency they have to deal with, they'll wind up abruptly canceling their office hours or they have to reschedule their uh, elective surgery. And these things you know, really need to be addressed in order to make sure, acknowledge that they're a problem and to um, make the quality of life of your surgeon at least um, bearable. And then the call schedule is important. And that's the differentiator between a, a large uh, academic medical center or a regional medical center where they may have three or four vascular surgeons that can share call as opposed to, and this is a problem that we face in New Hampshire is we have you know, moderate to smaller hospitals, maybe 100 beds, but they need a vascular surgeon on site but you, you need to have, you know, you want to have two or three vascular surgeons so they can share call, but you may only have enough daytime work for one. And that's where I think hospital administration needs to be innovative and work with their um, partners in, you know, their regional call. Or what we do in New Hampshire is uh, the smaller hospitals or basically we cover their emergency room from the academic medical center. But th there needs to be some sort of innovative ways of sharing call because, you know, not every hospital needs, you know, three vascular surgeons. But on the other hand, you don't want to have your vascular surgeons taking call every night or every other night. And that's, that's sort of the big hurdle, I think, for some of the more smaller or rural uh, hospitals. Yeah, it sounds like it's a balancing act even once you get past the basic recruiting challenges, which like you said, when there's so many that are looking to hire for this one position, there's there's just challenges galore. So it's, it's interesting to hear you highlight that and, uh, and go through that. I, I've appreciated having you on the show. I guess my last question here is just if there, and I think you highlighted it earlier, that there are all these opportunities for various service lines. Uh, that could be financially viable for hospitals. Are there any others, whether it's in cardiology or different clinical specialties that you're paying attention to that that hospital administrators should also be keeping an eye on? But yeah, yeah, the big one, the big one are the is the development of office-based labs, and and so that you know includes uh, physicians who will um, have in their office you know vascular lab, but also a diagnostic uh, angiography. Uh, uh, peripheral angiography procedures and vein procedures. These are ambulatory procedures that they reimburse quite well. And there's a significant tension there between the, uh, the development of these office-based labs and the impact it has on the uh, healthcare system overall. And, uh, you know, there are the negative impacts are that you're pulling lucrative um, procedures out of the hospital system and they're being done in the office. But on the other hand, you're also pulling out of the hospital patients with low case mix index. And you're, so you, if anything, you'll probably drive your case mix index up, which could potentially compensate for the loss of revenue. And so these are like difficult questions, you know, that require relatively sophisticated analysis in order to, you know, sort of see what the return on investment looks like. It seems like in every one of your answers so far, you've highlighted the opportunities that's there for hospital administrators and executives, but also the the challenges and the different dynamics they have to be aware of. So it's kind of a kind of a balancing act, and and something they have to pay attention to if they want to fully reap the rewards, both clinically and financially. If it was too easy, it wouldn't be challenging, I guess. <laughs> that's a good way to look at it. That's definitely a good way to look at it. 
Well, Dr. Powell, it's been wonderful speaking with you today, and I appreciate you hopping on. You know, like I said, we don't typically hear from the clinical side on this show, so it's always good to get that voice in there. And we hope that uh, if there's another study that comes out, you'll be sure to share that with us and hop on here to discuss what it means for hospital finance leaders. Great. Thanks, Jack. Thanks uh, very much for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Health Leaders Finance Podcast. Until next time, keep taking care of your patients and each other.